0: Whether you're in North or South Carolina or anywhere else in the world, enter the cat cave to listen to your favorite Carolina Panthers podcast as part of the Keep Pounding podcast network where you can find shows like Embrace the Bait and Inside the Vault powered by the Fans First Sports Network. And if you're watching along the Tobacco Road Sports Radio's YouTube channel, you'll notice a uh, it's no longer a visitor. Special announcement, Shannon Smith will be joining the show as a permanent co-host for the show so with that we welcome back and for a permanent position shannon smith shannon glad to have you officially as part of the show going forward bud how's everything
1: everything's good man i appreciate the offer i thank you for allowing me to be a part of this for the whole season i'm looking forward to it this is some good stuff man
0: yeah i know uh, i talked to our, our friend michael davis who is excited At the prospect of of getting back on here, shout out to Michael. Uh, Still, still going through some stuff and and hoping, you know, wishing him well and uh, and a speedy recovery so that he can come back and join us and we can have a uh, a triple threat match, if you will, here on the Cat Cave. Uh, Without further ado, let's just go ahead and get into the show uh, because we have we have a good bit to get into Uh, the uh, this past week uh, the Carolina Panthers once again fell to the hands of a, of a better team, the Miami Dolphins 42 to 21. The problem is that for the first 10 minutes of the game the Panthers looked really good. uh let's get right into it here with the offensive side the Panthers go up 14 to nothing in the first quarter before the Dolphins go on a 35 to nothing run. Bryce Young looked really good. Uh, didn't throw any interceptions in this game, 217 passing yards. He did take four sacks. Uh, You've got uh, no Miles Sanders in this game. Miles Sanders dealing with, if I'm not mistaken, um, I want to say it was a shoulder injury or something like that. So uh, Miles yep. Sanders did not play in this game, so Chuba Hubbard takes over the backfield, had about the day that you would expect him to. 4.6 yards of carry for Chuba Hubbard, and then the kind of day you would expect out of Adam Thielen – the, the Swiss Army knife for this offense, just kind of catching everything that you throw at them. Um, and then, again, if you if you go back and look at this game, five for 13 on third downs is probably, five for 14, excuse me, on third down is probably what uh, really stifled this Panthers offense. Um, it was a clean game, only three penalties. Uh, Shannon, tell me what you saw from this offense that, again, I feel like I'm asking this every week despite a loss. Uh, what did you see out of this offense that gives you optimism uh, post-bye week. I saw some
1: confidence out there. I saw a good bit of confidence, not just in Bryce Young, but in the offense as a whole. And I really believe that the unsung hero in this was Chuba Hubbard. Getting on the ground, 88 yards rushing off, 19 carries and a touchdown. We've not seen production from the running game that well. And I think that's what's going to – um get Bryce young a better shot at being the best quarterback that he is. If he's got a threat in the backfield, I think chuba has got to stay back there. You've got a proven receiver in Adam Thielen who 11 catches 115 yards and a touchdown in that game was the driving force going up 14. Nothing was big. And you can see the confidence was really was, was inside of the huddle on the sidelines. A lot of, there were some, including myself, that were like, they're really going to do this. I mean, they're going out there. They're looking good. They were crisp on third down. They were going out there. They were just manufacturing yards, and they were just manufacturing it. But, you know, what separates good teams from great teams is slamming the door. And Carolina did not slam the door, and that's what did it. You got to play all four quarters. You got to play both halves. And they played one, half, one great half of football but it wasn't
0: enough. Yeah, you talk about not slamming the door. I mean, I envision a, a, a glass-sliding door that was just kind of left wide open. Like, they were just, they, you know, going inside, in and out the house, letting all the flies in and all that stuff. You know, you're at a cookout. That's what the Panthers did in this game, man. I mean, you just you start off 14 nothing, and you punch the Dolphins in the mouth. Uh, hats off to the Dolphins for being able to mount this comeback. And then just dominate this game like we all expected them to. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's look on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, again, started off slow. Two straight three and outs that led to f- the f- those 14 points for the Panthers. Uh, th- they would put it back together, too. I had 262 passing yards in this game with three touchdowns. Uh, if you're listening to my other podcast, Tapouts and Touchdowns, and from a fantasy football perspective, I bought in heavily on Raheem Mostert in this game. All he did was put up three total touchdowns. Uh, You know, 130 plus yards of total offense for uh, the running back Raheem Mostert. And then Tyreek Hill is going to do Tyreek Hill things. 100 receiving yards. Uh, Jalen Waddle got involved in this game. I mean, just everybody that is everybody that you would expect to get involved in this offense did. Uh, However, the Panthers were missing their top two safeties in this game. Uh, You lose a linebacker. I'm going to butcher this first name. Uh, Gross Manos, and they mm-hmm. lost Frankie Louvu with a hip injury. We're going to get the injuries in a second. Um, yeah, they held Miami early. But what happened to this defense uh, that allowed Miami not only just to come back, but to score 35 unanswered in this game?
1: I'll tell you, uh, when I was watching this game, I was thinking of you know a young filmmaker by the name of Sylvester Stallone when he watched Chuck Wepner and Muhammad Ali fight. And when Chuck Webner knocked Muhammad Ali down, after that, Muhammad Ali just destroyed him. That's what I looked at in this game here. I think, honestly, Miami was wanting to see if Carolina could hit them. And Carolina hit them, Mm -hmm. which was what did it. Carolina hit them. And when Carolina hit them, they hit them convincingly. And Miami went into the half thinking, like, you know, we can't play with these guys anymore. Time to slam the door. And then they bought out their big guns, and that was it. And after that, you saw that good teams and great teams. Once again, great teams beat the teams they're supposed to beat. And Miami did what they were supposed to do, go in there and win this game. But not only win it, winning sensationally is what did it. And they bought their big guns out. And Carolina, on the defensive side of the ball, was kind of left on an island. You've got speed on both sides with with uh, t- with uh, Tyreek Hill being one of the fastest players in the league. Then you got Raheem Mostert, who was a former 49er of mine. Very, very good running back. And he's the second guy, which is another thing. He's the second guy. And he went out there and he played incredibly well. You know, Waddle went out there really well. Tua had a lot of uh had a lot of confidence in that in that pocket, stepping up and throwing it like he always has been this year. He's on pace to a good year. It's just a classic, it's just that classic meeting of David and Goliath but David got what was coming to him this time.
0: Yeah, listen, you mentioned uh former 49ers, you know, Panther 49er connections here. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was was regarded as one of those guys that were, that was an MVP frontrunner. He was injured this week. And so I believe if, if McCaffrey misses any time, Tua Tungabailoa is going to step into that role as your potential MVP frontrunner in the NFL. Absolutely. So you, you expect to see him to do, do these things over 50%. Uh, completion percentage with 262 yards, three scores. Um, you mentioned, I mean, the Dolphins are the fastest team in the NFL. Moser yes. started the year as the number one running back. Uh, he was still getting more carries than rookie Devin Achan prior to Achan's injury, but Achan was just doing the most. I mean, he had a bum knee and still put up like 150 yards uh, in the week prior to this game. So Mostert going out for 115 yards doesn't surprise me. I believe they're going to keep feeding him in Miami, uh, even with the return of guys like Jeff Wilson. Uh, so Savan Ahmed got some play time in this game. You got to see some of the backups for Miami late in this game. Mike White throws a pick six in the fourth quarter to put that final seven on the board for the Carolina Panthers because after they put up that 14 points, the the offense, uh, let's just say the Miami defense stepped up and just they, they, they had enough. They said, all right, we uh, – we're letting this team, the last winless team in the NFL, uh, we're letting them come back on us, and it, they they wanted to put a stop to it. Um, in this game, uh, we we also saw three new injuries uh, to the Carolina Panthers. LaVisca Chenault was carted off the field, what has now been described as a high ankle sprain in the second quarter. Uh, linebacker Gross Manos uh, left this game with a hamstring injury. He was supposed to come in uh, to help for the loss of Shaq, uh, Shaq, why I, i'm Sha- shaq thompson shaq thompson thank you i won't say shaq wilson but he was a linebacker for south carolina shaq thompson who uh broke his leg earlier this year uh gross manos was supposed to come in and be his replacement now we don't know what time what sort of time he's going to miss and then the other linebacker frankie Louvre, with a hip injury hip injuries can be really severe they can be really uh really sensitive why can't the panthers stay healthy <laughs> I mean, LaVisca Chenault, they were giving him some time in the backfield, a la Cordero Patterson. And so now you've got Chuba Hubbard. uh, You've got Raheem Blackshear. I don't know if you have Miles Sanders. Let's start off. I I know I asked the blanket question, why can't the Panthers stay healthy? Let's stick with LaVisca Chenault for a minute. We're already missing Miles Sanders. I I said it on the show last week that I think it's time to move on from Miles Sanders, you know, five games into his career. Uh, you mentioned earlier in the in this show that Chuba Hubbard went out and and was the, sort of the backbone of this offense. What does it mean to lose a guy le, like LaVisca Chenault who gives you that change of pace in the backfield and gives you some, some opportunity on special teams and in and, and, and the receiving core? What does this kind of loss mean for this offense at this point in the season?
1: I think you get rid of your third guy, your third option, because one of the things is if you're a – team that's getting ready to play Carolina you know Adam Thielen is going to be getting the ball in the passing game you know that's going to happen Adam Thielen is going to get his yards he's going to get what he gets he's going to get targeted the most but with a squad like Carolina who has limited options as compared to some teams here who are sitting atop top their respectful divisions you can't afford to lose anybody you can't afford to so it's important that Carolina does stay healthy, although I was having a discussion with a few of my buddies today talking about football, how this is around the time frame that you start seeing injuries in throughout the league, not just in the NFL, but in college as well, too. You start seeing those injuries around that week five, week six, because you know most of these teams are playing four and five, six straight games of football. So it's going to be tough on your players. It's going to be tough. So it's very important that you're getting the the subs in. You're getting uh, guys not too many reps, especially around the first fourth of this season or the first half of the season. But in Carolina's sake, it's easier said than done when you look around and you're kind of wondering who you need to sub in and who you need to sub out. So a loss like this, is a little scary for Carolina with not so many options that they have on offense.
0: Yeah. High ankle sprain generally a pretty lengthy. And I say lengthy. It's not like a one to two week injury. It's a pretty lengthy absence that we're looking at with LaVisca Uh, Let's look at the, to, over to the defensive side, because we lose two linebackers in this game. If you go through the rest of the injuries on this Panthers defense, Xavier Woods didn't play in this game. Von Bell didn't play in this game. Obviously they're missing Shaq Thompson. Uh, they're, they're missing uh, JC Horn at defensive back. Marquise Haynes uh, was placed on the injured reserve back uh, September 4th uh, at some point. Cause the Panthers, the Panthers are known to be more of a defensive team than an offensive team. They've, they've gone and signed a, a safety off of the giants practice squad. If, if that doesn't tell you that they're that this defense is starting to be very very thin, then for them to go sign a practice squad guy off the Giants defense. I'm not sure what where where you could try to defend this defense. Uh Shannon, what is what are your thoughts on the defense going forward? Is this going to be an uphill battle for the entire season at this point?
1: I would say so because Going into the bi week, which we're gonna get into later on, that's when you get that rest. You get that one week off of football, you don't go, you go lighter practices, you get more rest, and you try to get those guys who need treatment to get treatment. But when you got a whole mass unit like Carolina does, it's kind of hard to get everybody treated and everybody um enough rest because you've got more players to treat. So it all comes down to the mindset of the players. These, these players have to realize their limitations. They have to know their limitations. You know, I think Carolina kind of has a little trouble because they're kind of in a desperation spot. They're looking for their first win. They The, the staying alive um, to try to go to the playoffs aspect is slowly going away. It's more about survival. So when you go into survival mode, it's going to be tough to think logically when you're going into survival mode. So I think Carolina right now, and I hate to say that, is in survival mode. They want to try to get their first win. They're trying to establish momentum on the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball as well, too. The offense is starting to get it together. But then again, you got to play all four quarters in order to know if you're getting it together at this time. So I would say right now, Carolina's in survival mode. So it's going to be tough getting those guys treated in time. And by them with their next move off the Giants practice squad kind of tells you the type of mode they're in.
0: Yeah. It's, it's I don't know say funny is the right word. They're in survival mode. I think the playoff, the playoff hopes are out the window. There's no way an Owen 16 makes the playoffs. I don't care how bad the NFC South is. Uh, I think the playoffs hopes are gone. And now it's just a matter of whether or not they can prevent the Chicago Bears from getting both the number one and number two pick in the 2024 NFL draft with Justin Fields going down for the Bears this past weekend. Uh, Doesn't bode well for their future. You mentioned the offense, and the offense is finally trying to put it together. It was announced this week that Frank Reich is officially giving play call duties to offensive coordinator Thomas Brown. Uh, says that that will make them better, and that's a good thing for Thomas Brown to be able to help uh, coach and lead Bryce Young. I, I was listening to a radio show earlier today in the upstate of South Carolina in which they said, well, if this was going to make you better, why didn't you do it sooner? Uh, so it poses the question, first of all, it makes you wonder if Thomas Brown was calling offensive plays in the first half. And then he just stopped the rest of the game. And that's why the offensive stopped moving. Uh, Shannon, what are your thoughts? Thomas Brown has an extensive coaching background. He's coached both in college and the pros. He's been a running back coach at a few different stints. He he played and coached uh, running backs at the University of Georgia. He was a running back coach for my Gamecocks uh, for a season. Coached under Sean McVay in LA as a running back tight ends and an assistant head coach before coming over to Carolina uh, what are your thoughts about Thomas Brown coming in and officially being allowed to play uh, to call plays here uh, in, in Charlotte?
1: Well, I remember him when he was working with uh, that Rams squad, and he helped bring the running game that eventually got the Rams to the Super Bowl at that time. So I think I kind of know what this guy can do a little bit considering the fact that he's bounced around so many teams and he's had the success that he's had. But I did a little reading up on it, and basically what um, Coach Frank Reich was saying is that this was in the plans from the beginning for him to start calling plays. And I'm with you on that one right there, Ryan. Why was this not happening, or was he calling plays beforehand? You might have been on to something with that because it was working, it was gelling, it was doing good. The man is 37 years old, same age as me. So I'm kind of happy for that. But the thing is, they're saying that he's basically an offensive genius. The man knows what he's doing on the offense. Frank Wright says that it's always been a part of the plan and that now the timing is right. I kind of find that odd that at Owen six, you decide to plug this man in and you say it's the right time. My question is, when was the right time? Were you going to wait to stretch it out a little more? Were you going to wait till the team was 0-10? Yeah,
0: it was. Did this team have to go 3-3 three and three in order for you to justify not letting him play calls? Like, that's this just, this screams to me. And I don't mean to say this because we are six games in, uh, into year one under this regime, but it screams to me incompetence by Frank Wright. Like, okay, so... You've gone in here. I'm sure you had something to do with, with with the way that you drafted. You could have gone and got a guy like C.J. Stroud, who is lighting the world on fire and holds the record now for the longest streak without an interception for a rookie in NFL history. That came to an end last week. But the Texans look competent, both on offense and defense, under D'Amico Ryans. I, it, this, this, this Panthers team, for all of 10 minutes in one game, have looked like a competent offense and a, and a defense that, that seemed, uh, you know, formidable. Yes. The number one offense in the league. I mean, the dolphins that we're talking about the dolphins here who I believe are second all time in in yardage put up through, through six games uh, in a season. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are on pace to blow out the record by the greatest show on turf and the St. Louis Rams from, from years ago. So, yeah I'm with you. I don't understand like yeah it's this is this is the right time to make a move like well I guess if you were if you were 500 you weren't going to make the move which is it just doesn't make sense.
1: It doesn't because I mean and you're right you you got to go with the incompetence here because you know as a head coach you know this is coming from someone who's not a head coach in the NFL. But I kind of have an idea by saying that you have a say in what the offense and the defense is going to be doing. Basically, you are the guy that's above everything, and your guys make a call, and then you okay the call is basically what you're supposed to do as a head coach. I would say if these guys are saying, hey, this is what we should do, this is what we should do, this is what we should do, and then you bat it down, that kind of tells me that you don't trust your squad. So with him going into it now in 0-6, I think you kind of might have been thinking, were you sensing a problem at 0-3 when you were on a three-game skid? Were you sensing a problem in the offense when the offense has kind of been the common denominator of what's been wrong with this squad for the past four games? When you start looking at the fact that you're not getting output in the running game, you're having a little problem with the offensive line. You're not giving your quarterback time to throw the ball. Maybe, just maybe, it's got to be the scheme. Maybe.
0: Yeah, I just, I I don't know where else to go from there. I mean, we've we've said it for the last five weeks, six weeks, that the offensive looked vanilla, unimaginable, like, like un, 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 uninspiring. It just, all of a sudden, making the change. Like, I'm glad they're making the change. Mm-hmm. Because if the Panthers are gonna are gonna are going to have a chance to win a couple of games this year, something needed to change. And if it's giving play calling ability to Thomas Brown, uh, then more power to him. Because yeah. what we're going to talk about next here is what is it going to take for the Panthers to get their first win? We got the schedule. If you're watching the Tobacco Road Sports uh, Tobacco Road Sports Radio's YouTube channel, the the rest the remaining schedule is is scrolling on the ticker. Uh, after the bye week, they get the Texans. That Texans is the Hall of Honor game where you're going to be honoring Musi Muhammad and Julius Peppers Yes, uh, down in Charlotte, which is phenomenal because two guys that that I loved watching play for the Panthers while I was going through high school and college, especially Musi Muhammad, with the crossover celebration after the touchdown. <laughs> I loved it, man. Um, and uh, And yeah, so you've got the Texans and the Colts that both seem like winnable games. They're at Chicago, but if Justin Fields misses considerable time, I feel like that's still your first true opportunity to get your first win. Um, you're, I, you know, looking at the next two games, I thought we were going to get to see number one versus number two in Stroud versus Young, and then number one versus number four in Anthony Richardson, but all rumors are pointing to the fact that Anthony Richardson is about to be on, undergoing season-ending shoulder surgery which means you're going to get the uh, the stash in Gardner Minshew in Indianapolis coming to town. I mean, I think I know the obvious answer, but what's it going to take for the Panthers to get their first win? And where do they get it, Shannon?
1: What's going to give the Panthers their first win to me has got to be some type of uh, organization or some type of scheme that they've got to follow. Because what they're doing right now is definitely not working. The bye week is going to be very crucial and is still in instilling that mindset. Because in the beginning of the season, we've heard about how Carolina has an opportunity to contend. And this is a contend year for Carolina. And now we're looking at 0-6. Everyone's seeing 0-6. There, there is obviously doubts running through the locker room. Frank Reich has got to get that locker room under control. I think it's got to be mindset. I do not think it's anything physical. It's got to be mindset because if you look at these squads right now, and I know we no longer have any undefeateds, still crying over my 49ers, but the fact of the matter is, is these squads that are winning right now have got a mindset going, and that's what's happening right now. The the mindset has got to change. They have an opportunity to reinvent themselves during this bye week it's going to take a little more than that but considering the fact that they're looking at the back end of their season with winnable games as you said there is an opportunity to instill a mindset get some get something going you had playoffs are out of reach but that doesn't mean you got to throw your whole season out so the mindset has got to change
0: I, uh, I'm not going to disagree with you. I will I do I will add that I, I think they need to put a refocus on the run game. They did that against the Dolphins. They were able to get, uh, what was it, 88 yards and yes. a touchdown out of Chuba Hubbard, 4.6 yards per carry. That's a season best for any running back for the Carolina Panthers. They're going to have to reestablish the run game. They're going to have to put effort into it. Now, granted, they're still down a bunch of offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at the guys, Chandler Savala went down last week. Uh, They're still uh, dealing with the loss of, um, and his name, Austin Corbett, uh, who's been dealing with coming back from his knee injury. Uh, Brady Christensen uh, will not return this season. Uh, He was put on IR back on September 13th. So you're going to have to find a way, despite having injuries at the offensive line, to establish a running game going forward. The running game will help take the pressure off of the number one overall rookie quarterback. It will take the pressure off of some of those other receivers that are trying to get open down the field. If you're making defenses worry about whether or not you're going to be able to run the football, they're going to take their, they're going to take their eye off of Adam Thielen. They're going to take their eye off of DJ Chark. They're going to take their eyes off of my guy, Aiden, uh, Hayden Hurst. And they're going to be able to move the football like they did for, for all of 10 minutes against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, to your point about mindset, I think, they, they like you said, they're just going to have to get tough. They're going to have to get to this point where it's next man up and the next man up is going to have to go out and make plays. I, there's there's no excuses anymore. We can't just say, okay, well, yeah, this guy was a practice squad guy, or yeah, this guy was brought in for depth, but he wasn't a starter. It doesn't matter anymore. You got to go out there. You got to play. You, you got to play your position. You got to win your position, and you're going to have to put pressure on the opposing quarterback. They 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 got no sacks in this game, no. on Tua Tonga Valoa. You're going to have to be able to pressure the quarterback. You're going to have to be able to establish a run game to relieve some of that pressure off of Bryce Young, and you're going to have to open up the playbook. You're going to have to be able to be dynamic on offense uh, in order to, to open up all sides of the field. Uh, you, speaking of which, there's no game this week. I, I, I said a lot of things that we needed to focus on the bye week in regards to reestablishing that running back, uh, that, that the run game. Uh, I think, for my opinion, I think the biggest focus... Uh, outside of, of seeing what Thomas Brown could do calling the offense for the next two weeks is getting healthy. They got a bunch yes. of guys that are on IR that will be eligible to come back this season, but you've got, you've got guys that are that are not on the injury reserve that have missed the last week, the last two weeks, got hurt within the last two to three weeks. Uh, and I think the focus is on getting healthy and staying healthy. Shannon, what say you, what's, what do they need to do to win the bye week this weekend?
1: getting healthy has definitely got to be number one because that's what most of your bye weeks are used for from the get-go but it's coming back to instilling the mindset they're now got a new offensive play caller so they have to get that mindset instilled now let's hope that carolina can have that same second half success that they had last year when steve wilkes was coaching at that time because once again the second half is going to tell the story of every single team in the NFL not just Carolina but all 31 other teams is going to tell the story because the first half was wonderful for some and the second half might not be so wonderful for some as well too so carolina's got to look at their they've got to look at their schedule also too they've got to look at their schedule there's three winnable games coming up where you have the dominoes kind of falling on your side with injuries, kind of plaguing two of the three teams that they're going to be playing. And the fact that you've got a one-two slugfest is going to be coming up in two Sundays. Considering the fact that C.J. Stroud has had a very, very quick start to where he's played very, very well. However, he's had some signs, and that offense has had some signs of getting a little slow when they came up short against Atlanta. There, there were times where the where the uh, team got lethargic on offense. So you've got some winnable games. The Colts having to shift another quarterback in, and you don't know what you're going to get out of Chicago, considering the fact that Justin Fields might not play. So there are opportunities to turn this season around at their disposal with a new offensive play caller. It could happen. So it's all about getting it up here.
0: I'm with you. The one the one saving grace for this weekend is that when we come back on this show next week, we will not have to talk about yet another Carolina Panthers loss. Yes. Uh, Shannon, we are we are up against it. Do you have any shout-outs you want to give uh, or you want to tell tell the folks anywhere they can find you, any, anything you want to to leave the fans with uh, this week? Well, I do want
1: to give a special shout-out to Michael Davis. I got to give credit where credit is due with that, man. If it wasn't for him reaching out to me one night at Dooley's, getting together and talking about doing a little something on his wrestling podcast that led me into the door that led me in the door with him doing wrestling podcasts, led me in the door to out of pocket and eventually led me here to the cat cave. Shout out to you, my man, Ryan Frick. I appreciate you asking me to be a part of this. I thank you for that. And guys, you'll find me here on the cat cave. I'm working on some things for myself real soon, but find me on the cat cave for the next week until the end of the season.
0: Yeah, we're really excited to have Shannon Smith. It's been uh, it's been a sort of an uphill battle with, uh, with Michael um, having, you know, having some, some, you know, some stuff going on behind the scenes, and so it's going to be nice to have a consistent, every week co-host where I'm not like sort of scrambling last minute, uh, seeing who wants to come talk Carolina Panthers uh, with me. But if you want to find me elsewhere, you can go find my Facebook page, uh, Facebook.com/slash Tapouts and Touchdowns, the podcast. That I host where we talk pro wrestling on Mondays and football on Wednesdays. You can also follow follow me on Twitter or X at Tabouts and Teenies where we can do the same. Uh, But until then, you can exit the cat cave until next week. But listen to more content on the Tobacco Road Sports Radio's YouTube channel. And more Carolina-centric podcasts on the Keep Pounding Podcast Network. Powered by the Fans First Sports Network. For Shannon Smith... I'm Ryan Frick. We'll see you next week right back here in the Cat Cave.